Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is the show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. On today's Tech Talks, we're talking to Andy. He is the technical director at the marketing agency Tangent. However, before that, how are you, Jack? Hi, dear man. I'm good. I'm canny like. This is our second attempt at this. Your Geordie accent's bloody awful. It's got got worse, has it? Okay, fair enough. I mean, some people might argue that it's actually better than mine, but... Maybe. Uh, yeah, so we tried to do this earlier, but the internet signal, uh, I don't know, what, I'm, I'm going to blame my internet signal rather than you try and pass it off as the North not having good internet, but um, <laughs> it didn't work at all, so you're having to join us on the phone. Here we go, I mean, this is as 90s as we could get for a podcast, I get right? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, the audience couldn't take me just talking to myself. No, no one would want that. No one would want that at all. Did you enjoy, by the way, that um, that today uh, Startups Magazine told everyone to listen to Tech Talks with uh, Jack Pearce and Ryder Barnes? Did I enjoy it, Dave? Did you not see my message to you where the only thing was about ha-ha-ha written a thousand times? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as yeah, that came in, I, I kind of... I didn't care that so much that they decided that Ryder, who has only ever said the word tasty on the podcast... Uh, yep. was getting headline status it was more that I was going to have to deal with you yeah I mean look I, I called you out on Twitter for being an egomaniac but I am equally as uh, egomaniacal manical egomanical uh, I've got as big of ego as you have basically <laughs> yeah, very very articulate there um, yeah yeah you have to forgive me I've had a couple of porn star martinis day before my dinner really you're in Newcastle you've gone for dinner and had a couple of porn star martinis I know, you think I was in shortage, right? But no, yeah, a couple of points. Well, it's happy hour on uh, on a Monday in Lafayette, apparently. Well, look, let me tell you, when I was growing up, it was basically happy hour every night in every bar, so... Yeah, uh, I was going to say, it, uh, it's still quite cheap. There was a bar called Long Bar. It's long since shut, I think, near Central Station, where the worst thing that could happen was normal price. Oh, gosh, heaven forbid... Oh, it's amazing. You, you pressed a button and it was like this lottery system and, and you could get free drinks, double your drinks for the same price. Uh, yeah, like I say, the worst thing was, was normal price and normal price ain't London normal price. Did you ever, because you obviously, you went to Essex University, so you would have gone to Twisters, um, Twisters Bar on North Hill and Colchester. Yeah. Did you ever play Toss the Boss in Twisters? No. The Toss, they must, they must have bought it in after. It was a Thursday night thing that they did. So like you go up and there you are, you and the bouncer, you and the uh, bar staff, and it's a heads or tails. If you get it right, you get half price drink. If you get it wrong, it's full price. Not bad at all. Yeah. Um, how are your legs, by the way? Yeah, I mean, my knees really hurt today, Dave. I'm not going to lie. I feel like a 70-year-old has just, you know, I had a fall and unfortunately struggling to get back up because I... Yeah, I was sat on a train for three and a half hours this morning and my knees just hurt even more. Context up for us though, Dave. Why are we talking about why my knees hurt? 
because we ran the Hackney Half Marathon yesterday. You ran it in one hour 51. I run it, ran it in one hour 41. But just to put that in context, last year we ran it in two hours six and two hours seven minutes respectively. So you've knocked 15 minutes, well, 16 minutes off and I've knocked 25 <laughs> minutes off. So we've both done pretty, pretty well. I mean, everyone who I've told about my time is like, no, really, what did you do? Honestly, what did you do? I'm like, no, I did it in 151. Yeah, well, look, for a smoker, that's impressive. For for a (laughs) smoker who might be blown over by a strong breeze, you know. Exactly. Uh, but Haley was saying that she was on Facebook last night and lots of friends were posting that they'd done it and they were all kind of very pleased that they'd gotten around two hours. So, you know. Played well. Kudos. Uh, and look, Unlucky not... Haley's friends, we're the true athletes. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you might hear a giggling in the background. I heard a giggling in the background, yeah. It's fine, look, we need a laughter track on this show anyway because it's, some of my jokes don't land. It's like the most intimate Tech Talks live ever. <laughs> right. Um, uh, last point, though, on that. You can still sponsor us. I will include the link in the show notes. We've done the half marathon. There is zero reason not to give us a little bit of money. It goes towards Alive and Kicking, which is the advert in the middle of the show. You hear from one of the coaches on the ground, for God's sake, give us five pounds. Exactly. You're literally going to make someone's life a whole lot better. Just dive into your pockets, people. Right, on that note though, let's hand over to Andy. As I said, he's the Technical Director at Tangent Digital Marketing Agency and we will be back with some comments after this. So today we are talking to Andy. Uh, Andy, are you the Technical Director? Is that the right title? That's right, yes. Yes, here at Tangent. Um, Who are Tangent? How long have you been here? How long have the business been here? Um, Tangent are a privately owned digital agency. I've only been here for just over a year, mm-hmm. so relatively new, but Tangent itself has been around for sort of 12 years onwards. I had quite a big rep in certain areas, I guess, before me, before coming here. What was your background? Uh, I used to work for British Aerospace Software Engineer, uh, and then I worked on the London Stock Exchange with Accenture right. before sort of a, entering agency land and then worked for a number of different agencies, stuff always as a developer, kind of working my way up to, to Tangent. And why why did you join Tangent then? What was it about the brand that you thought, you know what, here's a challenge that's going to be right for me now? Especially if you've already worked in, in agency land for a little while, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I came from a WPP agency right. um, and I was sort of in a principal architect position at the time. So this is my first tech director role which kind of excited me and when I started out in agency land I was heavily involved with private companies and much smaller startups and then moving to someone like WPP when I had the opportunity to join a privately run agency and Tangent's that perfect sort of size it's not a startup by any means it has a you know, quite a big history here and quite a big team yeah. um, but it also has that element of being privately owned and less of a big big machine like WPP agencies. It must be difficult for an agency to position itself to stand out from so many others out there and Yeah, it is hard and you know I think there's there's a place in the market for all different types of agencies and you also find different agencies specialise in different areas. Like coming to Tangent we had uh, huge creds in membership um, through Labour Party and SAP, um, we we're also starting to carve out creds in bot spaces, and you know we we won awards last year for most creative use of AI in a campaign, 
And I guess all of these kind of things would be quite hard for me to do it at the WPP agency. I, I suppose more freedom here with, with more varied work, if that makes sense. If you are looking for an agency to work with, you're, t- you're typically coming at it because you're playing with new technology as an organisation. And there's so much tech that you could play with, that you want to play with, because it seems exciting, that you kind of go knocking and talking to a few different agencies and go, hey, what, what can you do? And it, it can be very confusing from the customer side of point, point of view. So I suppose when you've got people who are new to the market, new to technology, and they don't even quite know what they want to do with it, but they know they want to do something, it can be then very difficult for the agency to go, well, this is how we can help you. Very much so. I, I think being able to partner with businesses to, to advise them on that area comes with experience and also having sort of um, been exposed to lots of different technology, which I guess you get you know, over the years, and knowing which tools are suitable for which types of jobs. So, you know, you might be able to recommend a, a platform or a technology or a framework depending on what they're trying to achieve. You know, for example, if you're looking at machine learning or something like that, you Python would be a natural uh, language to go with and you'd know that through, you know, having played with Python, having compared it with clunkier things like .NET or PHP or whatever else that you, you might compare it with, I guess, as, you know, have similar machine learning languages. So I guess that's where experience counts, and that's kind of where we come in and act as a trusted advisor for people, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Those conversations, at what kind of maturity stage are they when, when they start? Because I know from personal experience, take the podcast market, everyone right now feels that they should have a podcast, so everyone's making podcasts. Right or wrong, I think it's a great thing, uh, because more, more podcasts out there, more people are likely to listen to them. But equally... Um, I've heard of plenty of situations where someone goes, right, well, we should we should have a, a skill on Alexa, but we don't know what we should have on Alexa. We just think that we should be on Alexa. They don't even know what part of their business to represent on that. So I, I guess it'd be interesting to know at what point someone should engage with an organisation like you. If, if there are any questions that they should have already gone through by the time that they pick up the phone or, or drop you an email. I think most marketing managers or product owners or organisations no matter who the representation who are representing them when they come to us they very rarely know what that use case is what that killer use for that app is um, and again that's why we partner from not just from a technical delivery perspective where I come in but probably from a strategy perspective mm. so it's about working with them to look at what their KPIs are what drives their business where the gaps are whether it's you know around sales or membership or it's a campaign related to something they want to make awareness about mm. so many different areas you can focus on um, and I, you know I, I think it's a bit daunting sometimes for marketing managers to try and do that on their own if that yeah. makes sense it's easier to partner with an agency and work together to identify that than necessarily come with the, all the answers so you're talking, <laughs> about, talking about those user cases in, ter- in, in some of those bleeding edge technology user cases are there are there any ones that you can kind of talk about where you go you know what here's a good example of an organization that have got it right yeah well we were in south by southwest recently and we went to uh, a workshop on how to design for conversational flow or conversations design a conversational interface uh, and they referred to this um, concept called chicken hands right so voice for example if you if you were chopping chicken you couldn't touch things because you have chicken on your hands and obviously for hygiene reasons it's 
not advisable. Um, so this whole idea of voices, imagine you didn't have your use of your hands, maybe you're carrying stuff or you're chopping chicken or you're yeah. you know, juggling children or pets, whatever it might be. There's a, you know, a really good example of a use case for voice there. And then we've been talking to um, a lady who writes recipes and that literally is chicken hands. So if you, for example, had an Alexa or a Google Home sitting in your kitchen, you're following her recipes, you may not have to take your hands free to turn the recipe book or whatever it might be. And, you know, that is, I guess, the, the perfect example where voice would be perfect for her. Because you could mm. say, you know, hey Alexa, hey Google, um, what's the next step in the, in the recipe? Can you remind me how many grams of butter is, you know, I need? Or what is that in ounces? Can you set a timer for 10 minutes? Uh, why I'm waiting, you know, that's, can I hear that out of hell by meatloaf? I don't know, you know, what the, the example is, but it's a great example of where that South by Southwest South South workshop literally matched a customer that came to us exact need. The whole chicken hands theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, 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 are consumers doing that? Look, I'll be perfectly honest. I have three Alexas at home. I have one in the kitchen. The vast majority of the time I use it as a radio, an alarm, and playing music. And I, I guess I have the Jamie Oliver skill, I think, enabled. I have various yeah. skills enabled, but I can never remember the exact phrases to open them or how to navigate around them. And I guess that must be a challenge, right? Yes, it is. And it's... A- it's the same sort of challenge you have of having a website. If no one knows it exists, what's the point of having it, right? right? So you need to put marketing spend behind it. You need to drive traffic to it. You need to advertise through different channels to make people aware that this skill or this agent exists. Um, but yeah, I think it's the same as any other medium, really. Just awareness of the, that, that that exists is, is a challenge that sits outside the actual technical implementation of it, if that makes sense. How do you grow that awareness? Um, it depends on the, the business, I guess. Obviously, it depends on what channels they have, who their audience is. Um, every Anything from, you know, traditional sort of newsletters or uh, mail shots through to media spend, through to sort of banner ads or whatever it might be. I don't know. It's really hard to say without knowing the, the yeah, use case, yeah, yeah. if it makes sense. But I guess you're right. Google will index websites and tell you if a website exists for Googling and you know there's space there for um, PPC and paid search uh, and you know promotion of sites and that kind of area the skills are different because you have to get them through the the, 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 the store mm. so you can promote them in there there's you know you can see which ones are highly adopted you can try and figure out whether they're working or not but for something like Google it's a bit different because once they're approved, they're available on that, that action. So, you, you know, you start get the action yeah. to, hey, Google, you know I mean, chicken hands recipes. I suppose, I suppose <laughs> the reason that I ask is, I, I, obviously, I know the kind of the traditional digital channels, but with a lot of these platforms, Apple have been well known for being rather opaque about how their charts, etc., work. And I suppose for, for the Alexa skills, kind of understanding how to get your particular skill further up the chart is not easy to know and they don't want it to be overly easy because they don't want marketeers to game the system so it's kind of this yeah. slightly but the founder style <laughs> yeah well, it's very early days it's a bit like the wild west I think in that whole that whole area like when you look at the adoption of voice in the home it's early days so mm-hmm. last year um, I believe that the adoption rates literally 
doubled for uh, ownership of Alexas and Google Homes in the UK. And they're predicting that this year it's going to be an increase of 36% wow. to 12.6 million or something like that. And it's increase on the increase, but it's quite a new territory for marketers and for the technology operators that are operating it as well. For example, the terminology to describe all of these things is different for all the different brands. Yeah. You know, Google call it an agent, uh, Amazon call it a skill. Uh, when you look at the the the, feed, the requests and responses you get through to these things, they're completely different formats. Uh, they're completely different formats for Slack or Facebook or whatever whatever NLP channel you're going via. You know, it's all completely the Wild West. So one of the technical challenges at the moment from our side is looking at it from an architectural perspective, trying to figure out a common model and then mm-hmm. building a bot once, but allowing people to deploy across all these different areas. Sure, and it, makes, it only makes it harder because you can't see it. It's harder to click around and explore. You don't have, you know, all right, if you do find a website and you're not familiar with it, you can at least play around with it. Yeah. But if it's voice and you just don't have the right command, you just keep running into dead ends. That's entirely true, yeah. I guess that's, with voice, it's, it's really hard to design for that conversation. Yeah. For like, if you have a UI around a chatbot, you know, you still you could still use NLP. I guess you're not converting it into you know, voice into text, but you're still doing the same thing with it. Mm. It makes it much easier through a UI to have suggestions, have rich media like carousels or images supporting the case or hints or help. But with voice, it's it's really challenging to get a voice experience that isn't one invading your personal privacy, too annoying to use, but free gives exactly the right amount yeah, of yeah, information yeah. to describe the use case you know it's offering. Now you mentioned that you're out at South by Southwest. Yes. And one of the things was that privacy was dead, and I I can kind of believe that because I had as I said I've got three Alexas. Uh, I've also got a Fitbit, I've got two mobile phones, I use various different applications. There is so much data out there knocking around on me that I'm probably not aware of. And I'm probably slightly more well-read on this than the average member of the population. How, how is that theme playing out and what were people talking about? I guess it's, it's not just voice there, but I think from a privacy point of view, there's so many new mediums that people are starting to look at from genomics, biometrics, smart homes, wearables, you know, exactly how your own data and privacy around that data and the advancement of technology combines is a bit of a grey area. For example, they were talking about Walmart and then putting biometric sensors into shopping trolleys so they can gauge your body temperature, your heart rate, the elevation you're pushing the car. And based on those three metrics, they'll be able to determine someone's emotional state. Like, you know, I'm really annoyed where are the courgettes or whatever it might be. <laughs> and send, send someone straight to you to help. Yeah. Where, as for me, I think that, you know, A, I haven't given you permission to harvest this data. And B, you know, I don't want someone coming to chase after me to see what, if I need help. If, if you're annoyed, surely that'd be the counterintuitive thing. And yeah. Just piss you off further. But this is where I guess that whole sort of data protection side of things and, and emerging technologies is so interesting simply because, you know, you can imagine the scenario where you couldn't go into a Walmart without accepting a terms and conditions of the use of the shopping trolleys. Yeah. You know, and then that, that would be madness. So there has to be a balance between data privacy and tech that 
But would we, would we kind of be blasé like we are when there's a software update on your Mac and you just go, yeah, whatever. And It's so tricky, isn't it? I, I suppose it, with something like your, your heart rate and all that kind of stuff, maybe not. But imagine your you know, earbuds started recording like uh, your body temperature and stuff like that or when you were getting ill or sick and then storing that data. People might be more concerned around like someone storing that about their permission there was talk about with back to voice and Alexa and Google there was talk about them always listening and they'd be able to change uh, notice changes in your voice they'd be able to notice if you were slightly nasal or had a sore throat and had a cold or something like that and then maybe sell you cold medicines based on your voice changing yeah yeah so you know you're sitting at home chatting to your to your spouse and um, it Google knows you're slightly nasal and a bit, a bit congested and then suddenly next thing you know you're getting loads of, you know. I suppose it's an interesting, it's tricky one isn't it because I have no problem with my data being shared with medical authorities if it leads to prevention of illness long term. Mm. Not a problem with that at all. I would have a massive problem if, I think it was what, Go365 in the States who were advising teachers to wear Fitbits and that was going to restrict or, or, or not them to various different benefits. If you, if you, if you had a, a system where Booper was collecting data on you all the time and you went and said, well, I've got an insurance claim, I said, no, it's, it's, pre, it's a precondition. How do you know it's a precondition? Well, we've got the stats from two years ago. Yeah. I suppose that could be somewhat worrying. So I suppose it's what, what people do with that data, right? Exactly that. We, we, you look at the smart home environment and the wearables environment. I think uh, Amazon have produced a smart microwave, and that's something that's going to be rolled out to, to market soon. So from their point of view, they're gathering data on your shopping habits, the sort of things you're purchasing, everything like that. But the minute it gets to your home, that data trail for them goes dead. So for example, you buy popcorn, they know you bought popcorn, they know you buy popcorn every month, but they don't know what happens to it when it comes into your home. Like, for example, does it sit in the cupboard and go off and you never eat it? Mm. Do you, you know, when, when do you eat it? How much do you eat it at a time? All this kind of thing. So the invention of a smart microwave will now give them that data. So they know that you can, you know, you're buying popcorn, they know you eat it every Friday, uh, and they know that you throw away, you know, whatever percentage of it. I guess if you combine that with wearables of like a you know a Fitbit or something like that, they would know that you maybe hadn't been for that walk that day or that week. You'd you know you'd sat around much more than you would normally. You haven't done your your run or whatever. And there's no in the future that there's a real possible scenario that, that smart microwave refused to cook your popcorn because you haven't been on that run and I think it's better for you as a Weight, weight Watchers kind of yeah. with, a, with a slightly authoritarian yeah yeah slightly scary um, look, last, last quick question then obviously you've got customers coming to you um, on a regular basis what question as an agency are you getting asked most often now I think that might be an interesting one just to see where the market's at no, sure. Um, well, actually, I think it's, it's quite similar to what we've been talking about already. Like, what are the use cases for NLP, be it you know, uh, text-based or voice-based for my business? Mm. Where can I you know, look for other channels that aren't social or my website to try and solve a particular business need, if mm. that makes sense? Um, we're doing a lot of work around the chatbot space we've talked about a bit starting to look at voice a lot and we're getting a lot of brands almost like two or three a week at the moment to be honest and quite serious organisations as well looking at how this 
changing environment and these new trends affect their business, how they can apply it to something that's concrete and makes a, a real difference. Cool. Well, look, it's been fascinating to chat and also to get some insight from South by Southwest. Sounds like it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it was really good fun, yeah. Yeah, if you ever go, I recommend the pig in. Right. <laughs> good. Many Always like some advice. Yeah, many an hour away in there as well. <laughs> Andy, thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much. Cheers. Right. Marketing. Um, yeah. Both wonderful user examples, or user cases rather, and slightly worrying, right? Yeah, I mean, you've hit the nail on the head there. You've got some amazing examples, and you know I love amazing examples, but then you've also got sort of like a, you know, a microwave that could stop you from having popcorn if you haven't done your exercise. I think this is the interesting point, right? He talks about South by Southwest uh, and this idea that privacy is is dead. It's not any one technology on its own. It's the idea now that with obviously smart devices and the connected home and IoT, they all come together exchanging data so if you wear a fitbit and the Fitbit, and we've said we've we've talked about the dangers when it comes to things like insurance and and employee benefits but just i mean it's darkly comic the idea that if you don't burn enough calories and then you go and put i don't know i don't know why you put a burger in, in a microwave but say you put a burger in a microwave a rustlers you can put rustlers in there there you go problem. uh the, burger, the the microwave says no no, no, fat bastard, go run. <laughs> you nearly got into a little Britain bit there. Mike Wyatt says no. Well, exactly. I mean, it's kind of comic, but it is, it is, it's wrong. I mean, it's... Right, so if, if this isn't an example of a human rights violation, I don't know what is, right? Like, you're, they're stopping people from eating. That's free will taken away. Well, it's also, it kind of... Big st- sorry, it begs this bigger question about technology that just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should, and especially where data and data analysis is, is concerned. So last week when I was in Paris, I was talking to uh, Dr. Crystal Johnson, who's a, who's a director at NASA. And you know how on the show a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Blue Origin and Jeff Bezos trying to send uh, people to the moon? Yep. So she was talking about the fact that at NASA, they only send the absolute 0.0001% of people who can cope with space. So part of the astronaut trainee program to make sure that you're not claustrophobic is they zip you in pretty much a skin-tight, pitch-black bag for 24 hours. And if you can't cope with that, you don't get sent into space because they can't risk having someone who can't cope with the conditions. Now... Amazon can send, or we would imagine in five years, will be able to send people into space. But should they? Will they have applied, as a corporate business, the same rigour and thought process to that to that endeavour? And I suppose it's like, just because we can have a connected microwave that tells you you shouldn't eat these things, because the data that we're extrapolating from all these connected devices says X, should we? Who who makes that decision between should and could in the data age? I mean, I suppose it, it does always come back to demand as well, right? So if, if the demand is there to go to space from a lot of people, then it, Bezos and Amazon will make it happen. They, they just will. And I don't know if there's going to be that much demand for the Amazon smart microwave, though. I just I can't see the point in paying more money to have Amazon written on it, and it's also going to judge me constantly. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really don't understand 
why as a consumer you'd want that microwave it doesn't it doesn't add anything and i think that's the interesting point that andy made uh in, in the conversation you know um he talks about people coming and they have to work out the user case sometimes with some of these technologies. So they get involved at that KPI and strategy stage, which is interesting because we know that a lot of tech startups go, marketing, they don't have KPIs. Well, Andy talks about KPIs, so that's quite interesting to hear that refuted. Um, but it is finding that customer need point of view. And chicken hands is a perfect yeah. example of, of a proper customer need. And, and I can relate to that. When I'm in the kitchen and you've forgotten, especially if you're baking and you've got flour everywhere, and trust me, when Haley's in the kitchen, there is flour everywhere, you might want to find out how many grams of butter or whatever else, and you have you, you can't touch the book because it's, it's, you've got your hands covered in crap. Right, Dave, A, don't ever go to Haley's making a mess when she's baking for you. That's just out of order. <laughs> and B... What do you think about, right, merging these technologies and having, all it needs to be is a voice-activated microwave. That is the happy medium that I can deal with here. You know, your hands are full, you're stirring your sauce or whatever, and you, you want to just, your rice is in the microwave ready to go if you're nice and prepared like me, and then you can just go, hey, Alexa, microwave away. I'm happy with that. I don't need Amazon to be like, oh, this is going to take you over your calorie count for the day, Jack, you little shit, stop eating. Not decision to make. However, after a half marathon, you can eat what you want. Oh, I had a Domino's. I had an ice cream. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a good day. But did you know, I'm sorry to digress. I really wasn't hungry. Oh, you were actually. Because I saw you go straight for a burger. But it took me ages to get hungry after the half marathon yesterday. I felt pretty good after it. I just felt really hungry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when you saw that, but when you got that burger, it's like the cat that got the cream. You're well up. Yeah, no, that, that that I inhaled that. Yeah, yeah, and then you were like, "I'm gonna go now." I was like, "He's probably gonna go because he's walked that down <laughs> well too far." Um, last last point on on this, I, I like how uh, Andy describes um, voice as the wild west. And it does feel like that at the minute because there's no consensus. And, and when he was talking, I was thinking about the fact that it doesn't really matter if you've got an iPhone or an Android at the minute. We all know that basically they work in the same way. But at the minute with, yeah. with Alexa and with Google, you know, we've got skills and we've got agents. We don't have any consensus yet on exactly how to activate um, voice. And I think... I think that's quite fun in a way. Obviously, it's a challenge for the technology industry and it's not particularly user-intuitive, but in a way, it's quite good fun. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I just wanted to talk about, I mean, talking about fun, I want to go the total opposite direction and just let Walmart know here and now that no one, well, maybe not no one, but most of us, if we're stressed out in the supermarket and you can tell we're stressed out in the supermarket, we don't want you coming up to us and helping us out, guys. It's, it's just not going to work, right? I mean, uh, supermarkets are the most stressful place in the world outside of airports. So um, Walmart, I like the technology idea, but I just, again, do we need that? I, I think it's interesting that the, the example was, you know, if you're slightly annoyed... But is it going to be kind of the opposite that you're kind of maybe in Waitrose where where you're habitually getting bent over and they'll be like, oh, this person's in a really good mood. Let's go over to them and go, that £9 bottle of wine does look nice. But how about this £15 bottle, sir? Oh, God, I mean, it's worrying. But also, I don't, I don't think it's fair on the staff, right? So you've got, let's say... Um, 
Jamie is working in Walmart, right? And Trevor comes in and he's having a nightmarish day. He can't figure out what kind of steak he wants for dinner. He's getting himself into a tip. Jamie sides up to him and goes, are you right there, sir? Do you want to help choosing the steak? Guy's going to turn around and rip his head off. I know. I don't need your help. Go away. I, I, I just think it's one of those doing it for the sake of doing it or doing it and it saying, oh, aren't we good? Isn't this cool? When actually there's something slightly more nefarious going on underneath it all. Hello, but Trevor just doesn't sound like your typical Waitrose shopper to me. Yeah, true. I was talking about Walmart, though. Oh, right, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Trevor ain't going Waitrose, is he? No, no, no. I mean, that's probably kind of like, that's showing yeah, a lot definitely. of bias. That's showing a lot of yeah, bias. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I don't know if it's racist or whatever. I don't think it's, it's racist. It's Trevorist. Yeah. It's definitely against Trevor's. Yeah. It's like, you know, Keith. Sorry, Trevor's. Keith, not not a great name to imagine in Waitrose necessarily. My mum married a Keith as well recently, and I was like, mm. "Oh, really, Keith? Thank you, God you don't have to take his first name." Have you have you told Keith this? Yeah, I said. I said, "There's a reason that people aren't calling their kids Keith anymore. It's a horrible name." <laughs> I just think Keith is the most unlikely name for a baby. Uh, anyway, right. Just come round and see baby Keith. Yeah, no, never mind. Anyway, right, um, let's let's go to our break. A reminder, it's about Alive and Kicking, and you can still donate money to us. Not that we're hammering the point. No, we are. Give us money! Tech Talks are partnering with Alive and Kicking, a charity that set up businesses that manufacture beautiful sports balls across sub-Saharan Africa. Using profits from ball sales and additional fundraising from events like the Hackney Half Marathon, they're able to train sports coaches to deliver vital health education. We're about to hear from Naomi, a coach in Zambia, who's been trained to deliver mental health education to her community. Hello there, this is Coach Naomi from Zambia. I would love to say about Alive and Kicking training, which has helped me to teach my players about like mental health. It has really built my knowledge and they have passed through to my young players in, in the community. I also work with Special Olympics where we deal with children with disability, mentally and physically. I hope and trust that the Alive and Kicking will continue teaching coaches in various parts of the world, not just in Zambia. Thank you very much, Alive and Kicking. Right, because Jack is in Newcastle, we're going to have one news story for you. So a, a brief second half of the show. Um, folks, you might be astounded to be reminded of the fact that despite he, him running a half marathon in an hour and 51 minutes, Jack is a smoker. Yeah, it's amazing how he can be so funny and athletic and also smoker all, all in one tiny frame of a human being. I had to say, by the way, when I was in Paris last week, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't ever have a go at you and ride for smoking, but I was sat in a cafe having a coffee and a croissant and this lady sat right next to me and lit a cigarette and started smoking and I'd forgotten how freaking annoying it is when someone blows smoke in your face whilst you're trying to eat oh. in, a, in an eating establishment. It's just so alien to us now. Yeah, I mean, we've, we're long gone away from sort of sitting outside and smoking with dinner and, and things like that. Like, I don't even like doing that, to be honest. The only time I smoke around someone is if they're only drinking. Um, and it's obviously always outside. But 
There is an alternative, isn't there, Dave? Well, there is. Um, one that you had some concerns about, uh, primarily... Yep. Right, so if, let's let's rewind. Um, in November, maybe December, towards the back end of last year, we had Dan Thompson, the marketing... Sorry, the marketing? The managing director for the UK at Jewel on the show, Okay. And at the time, I was a bit dubious about putting a vaping, tech-enabled vaping business on the show. But they showed a load of compelling uh, evidence that when you're faced with a situation that a jumbo jet uh, is affect, uh, sorry, one jumbo jet's worth of people effectively are dying every single day due to the effects of smoking, that vaping is at least 95% better for you than cigarettes. So we yeah. thought, all right, let's explore this product. Let's have them on the show. Let's talk about it. And you tried Jewel, but you did yep. say that on a night out, when the Jewel thing ran out of battery, you reverted to Rollies, and so therefore it yep. didn't quite do the job. 100%. I mean, I was out. I remember trialling it on the day that um, Liverpool came to the Emirates and played Arsenal. And I was out from about, the game was on at half five in the evening, and I was out from about, one-ish maybe so I'd had a few drinks before and obviously when you drink you smoke more so I vaped more and it got to about half time of the game I'd run out of juice and I had to borrow a roll and got my vape for the rest of the evening which is fine but it also negates the point of having a vape right all of those three four rolls I had after that would have just just counteracted all that good oh goodness that the vape gave me but all the good work that the vape had set out to do so life was a problem yeah so, look, we've got a product announcement. Jewel do have a charging case. It's initially only available in the UK, which is interesting given they're a West, ba- ba- West Coast-based US company, but um, it's a retail price of thirty nine ninety nine, and it's available on jewel.co.uk. And the charging case allows adult smokers to keep their Jewel device charged while on the go. A fully charged case allows users to charge their device multiple times on a single uh, case charge. Now, I can, what I can say to the listeners that what are interested in this, the, the device itself, the charger itself, is no, no, not really bigger than a wallet. It's very slender. It's very sleek. It's basically just like ta- carrying around a different version of your AirPods charger if you wear AirPods, you know. You know, you keep it with you at all times, in your bags, in your pocket, whatever, and you're not going to run out of battery. I can't wait to buy one day, but I'm going to get back on the jewel. Well, look, I mean... Vaping is a hell of a lot less intrusive than that bloody woman blowing smoke on my face in a cafe in Paris. So, right now, just one, just one point on that because I totally and one hundred percent agree with you. Like, I don't like people smoking around me if I'm eating, but it is just as, if not even more annoying, when some prick comes past and does one of those mass. I mean, jewels don't do this, but what does a massive? fucking huge vape cloud that follows them around for about 50 metres down the road. That is just as distracting from eating and smoking it for me. But hey, Jules don't do that anyway, so we're all good. There we go. Right, what you got planned tomorrow? The delights of Newcastle. No, you might like this actually, Dave. I'm, I'm not a rugby fan, but you know people are. So we're doing our sort of half-year kick-off, if you will, um, and it is at the Newcastle Falcon Stadium because my um, my new company sponsors the Falcons. Oh, oh dear! Haven't they just got relegated? I ain't got a fucking clue, mate. I don't know. I'm reason- rugby. I don't care. I'm reasonably sure they just got relegated from the Premiership. That is going to be a fun day tomorrow. Then, <laughs> I imagine some of the players are there just all dejected and that. 
I know that they had to pull off a minor miracle of like winning the last three games. I'm not entirely sure if they did or they didn't. Um, I didn't see anything pop up. I and I do I do read the Newcastle Chronicle quite regularly, yep. so I would have imagined if they pulled off some kind of Harry Houdini esque escape, I would have noticed it. But yeah, just while we're talking about Newcastle sport, quickly before we end, is Rondon staying or is he going elsewhere, Dave? Well, that really depends if Benitez is staying. Oh right, that's still not sorted. Mate, you're on Tyneside. The, the the place is collectively holding its breath right now. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did wonder why everyone's sort of whispering to each other, but I just I couldn't really understand them. <laughs> yeah, we well, are foreign, as far as you know, natives are concerned. Uh, Dave, I'm the one that speaks fucking Queen's English, mate. Not you lot. <laughs> he says in the most Essex accent possible. I was just thinking you should go hang out with Phil and Ian Beale and that. Um, right, anyway. Bill, who, wait, who's Bill Beal? No, Phil and Ian Beal. Oh, right. Not Bill... Yeah. I thought it was Bill Beal. Yeah, no, not Bill Beal. Right, you go have fun. Uh, don't have too many more porn star It's porn star martinis. You've got work in the morning. Yeah, no, mate, I'm sitting on my hotel bed now. I'm done for the night. I'm, I'm irresponsible. 27 years old now, boy. I ain't out on the lap tonight. Well, hang on, where's your hotel? Uh, it's the Motel One. It's just up Grey Street. Oh, you're just around the corner from the big market. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the only annoying thing is I don't really have a chance to go out and explore um, until, like, late tomorrow night. So who knows? All right, well, look, if um, if Flares is still open, don't go there. Uh, okay, good advice. Yeah, enjoy yourself. <laughs> Thank you, and I'll see you this week, Dave. Yeah, see you for a recording in person for Thursday's show. Bye.